When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So 618 with Dr. And your name is actually Eddie Bowers. That's awesome. Yeah, my official name is Howard Bowers, but I go by Eddie. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. You ever my get... parents didn't want me to go by Howie, so yes, yeah. that's what I got. Yeah, I like it, man, Eddie Bowers. But uh, please introduce yourself because we talked on the phone briefly about a week, what, week and a half ago. Um, but please introduce yourself for all the listeners. Yeah, my name is Eddie Bowers. I am a general surgeon by training, and I served in the Air Force for coming up on 18 years. And yeah, I um, got your information by Dr. McCullough, who I had reached out to getting some advice um, when the mandates kind of dropped. And I had been doing my own research about COVID pathophysiology of it, the early treatment protocols are being suppressed and all, all these things that, that uh, make you wonder what in the world is going on in the world today. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I just spoke with, with Dr. Malone again. And uh, <clears throat> he, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Fareed, they all kind of seem to be in agreement that best case scenario best case what's going on right now is a money grab which though evil is not necessarily surprising right it's kind of right what's that quote it's like it's it, the devils you know are better than the devils you don't know and it's like look if it's like four corporations you know can you know or working behind the scenes with big tech te- uh, big tech to suppress alternative treatments so that the eua can stand so they can make record-breaking profits on their vaccines though evil and not to go unpunished it's kind of the devil's you know, right? You're like, yeah, it's a money grab. You know, what'd you expect? Why does Apple change the chargers on their phone every two? It's a money grab, you know? That's best case scenario, right? Worst case scenario is, I mean, it's an engineered, I don't know what, is it an engineered genocide? Are they suppressing alternative treatments? Is it more about power and control? And this isn't some tinfoil hat shit, right? I mean, what's the first thing the Nazis do, right? You worry your papers. You want to establish the control and flow of populations. And then always you they're also always on loan right it's kind of like what uh the chinese communist party does basically everything you do in china you're you're technically like breaking the law whatever it is no matter how tiny you know you you can't have whatever you know five pillows in one bedroom or something but it's set up that way so that you're always breaking the law but they're always just turning a blind eye to it unless of course you start raising trouble and then they'll go in and They'll press every law, right? It's like when you know you get harassed by the FBI or something. All of a sudden, they want to know when the last time your tires were checked, and you're like, "You're just you're harassing me." So, you know, if it's not just a money grab, the next best case scenario would be it's so that you are perpetually defaulting or violating your passport, right? And you always have to get the newest shot to be able to participate in society. So. Aside from just the fact that it's a money grab, you would then be controlling populations, which 
leaders and or I should say tyrants have uh they've been seducted by that idea seduced by that seducted been seduced by that uh, idea since the pyramids were being constructed worst case is we are seeing a slow motion engineered genocide regardless of its of its if it's genocide whether it's control of power or just a money grab they're all evil they're all inherently un-american and as you said on the phone like you know you're the american dream right you're the american dream and now you are being screwed six ways from sundays by this please tell everyone why you are the american dream how you grew up and how you got into what it is you're doing now yeah so i grew up in a small town in ohio about 1200 people and small farming community conservative background my mom and dad raised me christian i went to a nazarene church really had no idea what i wanted to do right out of high school um so i went to college like most people do uh and i made some really poor life choices i failed out doing just stuff that i never got to do growing up because everybody knew your business in a small town so you don't go to a party on a friday night and your parents don't know by you know yeah. midnight yeah of the night of the party that you're there yeah um yeah man that so was then that was that was my freshman year of yeah. college. Yeah, no, conservative background, got to college. First thing you start doing is let's do all the things that we haven't been able to do, right? Get shit-faced on a Monday. Yeah, and everybody told you they were bad, and they're actually kind of fun. Really you had a fun. lot of fun. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So then, I mean, I I left college, went home, started working with my mom, and uh, she was doing in, interior refinishing of old farmhouses and, and stuff like that, and a friend's grandmother got sick. And I had been friends with her family for a long time, and they asked me to stay with her at night in the hospital. So I did that. Um, and some of the nurses were like, you know, you're, you're pretty good at this. It's, it was mostly like just being available, making sure that, you know, when she needed changed or, or was uncomfortable, you could just make sure that the nurses were prompt or whatever. And I, I then applied to get a job as a, in a nursing home or as a nurse's aide and got it. I did that for about a year and a half. And then I thought, man, this is, this is very rewarding work, you know, taking care of people in a vulnerable situation. And I found it, even though the pay, I started off at seven eighty three an hour, it was peanuts, you know, but it was like, I enjoyed it. So then I got a job as a phlebotomist and EKG tech, went on to EMT school, went to paramedic school where I, that's where I made the decision that I wanted to be a doctor. But, um, our family didn't come from means and the idea of going $250,000 in debt was pretty daunting. So I joined the Ohio air national guard as a firefighter, did that for just under six years. Um, and that helped me pay for my undergraduate degree. So then I became a health professions scholarship member and basically the air force paid for my medical school, paid me a stipend while I was in school, went to medical school, Found out I wanted to be a surgeon, went to general surgery residency, and did that for five years and then served to duty for just under four years. And now I serve in the Idaho Air National Guard. It's really interesting to go from, you know, that sort of entry level medical position as a nurse's aide to a surgeon. You you have to do what you got to 
follow the rules, right? You got to do what you're told. Yeah. If someone says be here at five 30, you're there at five 25, right? You're not, you're not late. If someone tells you that you have to do something um, and it has to do with someone's life, you do it because if you don't, your chief resident tells you to do something and you don't follow up on that lab or that image, it could mean that that person gets harmed. So you, by nature, making it through that process, you're compliant, right? You comply yes. with the rules and regulations of the systems that are put in place that have allowed me to succeed, which has been incredible. And I love what I do. I love taking care of people. It's one of the most rewarding um, professions I could even imagine. So that's that's sort of where I'm at. And now, you know, these mandates have come down and it's all being taken away. You know, lots of hospitals are requiring the vaccine. Um, I personally had COVID in July of 2020. I was sick for about 10 days and didn't feel great. You know, it was pretty miserable. My wife had it, my son had it. Um, and initially we were told, oh, nobody's gonna mandate it. Nope, it's not gonna happen. You know, it's all gonna be voluntary. And I thought, well, that's good. Cause I've had COVID, I know that I'm recovered. And then, so I just sort of, I check my antibodies every few months just to make sure that, you know, things, the immunity was still there, even though antibodies are not the best indicator of immunity, especially with viral infection. Um, it was sort of the best that we had at the time. So then the mandates dropped and I was like, oh, wait a second. I need to understand what this is because this new messenger RNA technology, which was to me, it was sort of bizarre that we had this, this new virus now we're going to use this new technology that we're going to push out to the world and see how it goes. So the more I read, the more I was like, I was very um, concerned about my own personal medical situation as I have a strong family history of pulmonary embolism, um, deep vein thrombosis, myocardial infarction, cerebrovascular accident. So all thromboembolic events and it's, happens to people in my family that are pretty young. My aunt died at 36. My mom had a pulmonary embolism, I think at 46 or 47. Um, my uncle's had a heart attack. His son's had a heart attack. My grandma had a heart attack and a stroke. So all those things to me, when I learned more about the spike protein, which is the pathogenic protein that we have in the coronavirus, is what we're injecting in people. It really got me concerned that, hey, I take this thing, my body's primed and ready to fight it. And the more we learned about it, that, that the spike protein wasn't just staying where we injected it. It wasn't staying in your arm. It was going to all these organs that are lipophilic, which means um, fat loving uh, because of the lipid nanoparticles that are, are basically protecting the messenger RNA. So I actually reached out to the, I don't know if it's the person that's in charge of it at my hospital, but the person who had sent out all the emails sort of coordinating with, with staff and said, I want to like to have a conversation about this. And, and 
I told him that whole story that I just told you. And, and I was basically told, well, if you take the first shot, maybe you can get a medical exemption for the second shot. If you have an adverse event, like you described, like, and I said to myself, holy cow, I just described to you in detail, my risk of death or disability. And you said, take a risk. Play Russian, and I thought to myself, play Russian roulette. And if the round grazes your forehead, then you don't have to play the second round. Well, honest, here's honestly what I thought. The moment she said that to me, because I know I knew exactly what that meant from her perspective. Well, I've said, I thought to myself, what's she telling the janitor or the cafeteria worker? Yeah. Or, or the, or the nurse's aide, right? Those people are trusting her judgment and to give good advice. Yeah. That is absolutely terrible advice. And I thought to myself, we have literally taken this really personal, intimate decision. Because honestly, I'm very open. I, I'm willing to tell people my story. I, I, I'm sure. happy to do that. Sure. But some people are very private. Like they wouldn't have a conversation with a top executive in a hospital about their personal medical things. That should be done between a doctor and a patient. But we've decided that somehow now the government or some corporation, your employer, should tell you those things. And that is, and that's one of the biggest fears that I have with this whole thing is that we have um, damaged the physician-patient relationship that is going to take probably a generation to repair. Not to mention the public health distrust uh the public health sort of organizations that are that have done all these sweeping draconian measures that it didn't work the first time by the way <laughs> we're doing it again surprise surprise it's not working again well hey these are the these are the same fucking morons that think that they're going to do communism right so does it surprise you that if it didn't work the first time well, that wasn't a real lockdown. That wasn't a real mandate. It's not real communism. Well, yeah, they're trying it again. But, you know, you know, I come from a long line of heart issues. You know, my father had a heart attack and survived. We come from a long line of dropping dead at 40. So I know what you're saying. And not only that, yeah. no one needs to know that. You know, you offered it up and I'm offering it up at our own will, right? We'll tell that story, which you're allowed to do. But no one needs to know that. And you don't need to... Uh, you know, you don't need to prove that to anyone when they say, how come you haven't been vaccinated? You know what it used to be? What were you prescribed? I might have been prescribed a baby aspirin, but you know what you can say? You can say HIPAA. Go fuck yourself. It's my issue. I don't know what my roommates in college, their health issues were. Maybe they had erectile dysfunction at 21 and maybe they're embarrassed. Maybe they had brain cancer. Maybe they had nothing. Maybe they had a mild diabetes. Maybe they had a stubbed toe. But you know what I know about it? I know it's HIPAA. It's none of my fucking business. And as a matter of fact, it's illegal for me to try to pry. All of a sudden, we just kind of all know that's no longer your business. It's just no longer your business anymore. Why aren't you doing it? Why? Are, well, what is it? Is it Ebola? Well, no, it's COVID and there's 99.7% survival rate. Oh, but the vaccine, it doesn't have any harm. So I'll take it, right? Well, no, it, it does have some harm. There's over 18,000 deaths. Okay, but there's got to be something worth it, right? I mean, so, it, but it, it like, right, it's a nuclear bomb, right? It seals the deal. No one gets COVID anymore. Uh, actually, no, you still get it. 
well, are we compartment? Well, you spread it too. What's the purpose? Well, the corporations that made it are immune to any prosecution from it. So what's going on? Good question. We're asking the same thing. Like that's, that's what it is, right? And it's one thing if it's just kind of, I don't know, like the archetype or the stereotype of the inept government. Yeah, they've been building that bridge for 10 years. Ah, stupid government. It's just kind of like a, right? It's kind of like a trope. It's no different than like, how's the weather doing, Bob? Or, you know, it's whatever. It's not, it's another thing when it's directly impacting your every once in a while, bump into my microphone like an idiot and I scare myself like a cat seeing its shadow. Jump back. I'm like, trying to make some brilliant statement and then I'll be like, (laughs) but, um, it, but it's not directly impacting our lives, and right, and I'm I'm very blessed that I worked my ass off to become self-employed, and now I get to do this. So mandates, I kiss my ass, right? I'm going to do whatever I want. I got banned from YouTube. I don't care. I'll just go to a different platform and keep doing it. I don't care. You'll have to kill me before I have to before I can't do what I want. Individuals like yourself, who I mean, I remember when I was applying to medical school. I remember my roommate. We both got into the same medical school. He ended up going. I decided not to. I remember he came in one day and he goes, do you want a half a million dollars? And I was like, I kind of looked at him and he brought, came in, he, he brought in a pamphlet and he was like, join the army. They'll pay for med school. And I was like, and I remember thinking about that long and hard. I ultimately decided not to go to medical school. But so you're someone, you took that up, right? So you mean two birds with one stone, you get to go become a, a physician, right? The most noble, the noblest profession in the land. And you also serve your country, right? Win-win. Like you said, you don't get through all of those hurdles without being compliant. And furthermore, I mean, I didn't do all of that, but I mean, I remember volunteering at hospitals, right? You have to have that shit on your resume. Hey, you got to go in and wear the gloves and put on the scrubs and you got to pay attention to the rules. And granted, I'm just like cleaning up whatever afterwards, you know, but it was just so you could put it on your resume to get into med school. But even volunteering at a hospital, I mean, I had to sort of check my arrogance at the door, right? I can be a hard headed asshole back at home and, you know, you know, tell my roommates to fuck off. But when I'm at the hospital, it's like, hey, they have rules, they have protocols. And if they say I have to do this, if they say I have to put like little, you know, dust you know, covers on my shoes, well, then I have to do that. And, you know, okay, so you have to learn to be compliant. But in addition to compliance, you also have to be intelligent and in thinking on your own. You cannot just memorize, right? You can memorize. I tried it. I tried it. You can memorize a lot of equations, but eventually you have to understand them, right? You can memorize every structure in organic chemistry, but eventually... You can memorize even every problem in a chapter, but eventually you have to actually understand it because, right, you can memorize that eight times eight is 64. I hope I got that right. You can memorize your times tables, but eventually you have to understand what multiplication is, right? What's 21 times 13? I don't know off the top of my head. It's not memorized, but give me a pen and paper and I'll figure it out, right? So with medicine, there is a certain bar of intelligence where you can't just regurgitate Otto von Bismarck or Gavriel Princip or just random historical dates, you have to actually be able to learn, right? I mean, that's what the MCAT is. Not only is the MCAT a test on information, it's a test on your ability to think. You have to be able to do things that isn't just, you know, you memorize it and regurgitate it. You have to be, because when you get into the hospital and you become a physician, nothing is, nothing comes out of a textbook. Every case is going to be something that is a little bit of a variation on this. Here's a motorcycle accident guy and he is allergic to penicillin. We got to know everything. So what I'm getting at with all this kind of seemingly nonsensical ranting is that you not only have to be compliant, right? And, you know, go through the, pay your dues and go through the hurdles, go over the hurdles, but you also have to be someone who knows how to think 
because that is what medicine requires of you. So an individual like yourself, who's been compliant and who has also learned these things, has done your medical school, has done your residency, and you are choosing to be open and talk about your heart issues and your familial issues, with all of that, you are still hesitant to take this. What happens when Joe Schmo walks in and just trusts his doctor? I trust my doctor. When I board a flight, I don't go in and go, hey, you guys go through the checklist. The stewardess says hi, and I say hi, and I sit down and shut up because I'm trusting the pilot to fly. When I go into a doctor's office and they check everything, I don't know what they're doing. That's doing black magic for all I know. And then they say, we're going to do this, that, the other thing. I trust them. And when I'm sick and they say, take this medication, I trust them. And I go and get it, right? What about people who, like me, don't have a medical education and don't know one thing from the other? And I'm seeing people over here say, vaccine's safe and effective. And then I see other people say, you know, no, it's not. And then they get banned from Facebook. So all I see is the affirmative. And well, I trust my doctor. They've got the white coat. They've taken care of me all my life. And I take it and bam, you're fucking dead. What about them? And that's where, yeah, that's so, where I know I'm ranting now, but. Well, I, I think the, the thing that really got me when I started reading about all this stuff is I, I didn't understand why people were dying from COVID. And I really just tried to stay in my own medical lane because yeah. I take care of surgical disease. If I can cut it out, I can help you, right? That's sort of how I looked at COVID. I can't cut it out, so... I'll let the medical doctors do their thing. Well, then the, again, the mandate came down and that's when I started saying, okay, I had it, I survived. I'm looking at all the numbers. I'm looking at the CDC data that talks about the survival rates. I'm looking at the bears data. I'm also looking at, at the seemingly contradictory uh, trusted news initiative, safe and effective mantra that is uh, bizarre to say the least knowing that safer and safe are not the same thing. And when people come out and say that the vaccine is safe, you have to compare it to things that we've accepted in medicine as a reasonable measure of safety. And in the late 1970s, we had the swine flu epidemic and we had a vaccine program. We didn't have widespread distribution of information, but when 23 people died, they stopped the program. Ultimately, I think it was somewhere around 54 or 55 people died after, even after they had stopped the vaccine program. Here we have, all we have is the VAERS data and no one seems to care that 18,000 people have died or they dismiss it as over-reporting when there's a Harvard study that shows that actually somewhere between only one and 5% of vaccine adverse events get reported. So then you have to start asking yourself, why is there such discrepancy in the information? You know, I think the vast majority of people do just fine with the vaccine. I, I think they sure. they may have a sore arm, they they may not feel very well, but that doesn't mean that we should take healthy 22-year-old people who have 
no risk, essentially, if they have no comorbidities of dying from a COVID infection and giving them this vaccine, that they that the risk, the potential risk is permanent disability or death. Yeah. And there's 30,000 permanently disabled people now. Yeah. Uh, when in history have we done that, and why do we find that acceptable in medicine? I, I have a really hard time understanding. I'm going to pull up the numbers. I talked to some of my right colleagues, now. and I say, "Have you read? Have you read Dr. McCullough's uh, pathophysiologic basis and rationale for the early treatment of COVID?" And they say, "Well, no. Ivermectin doesn't work." And I say, "Well, how do you know?" I, and I, I say, "Are have you read any of the studies?" Well, if if it was studied, then everybody would be doing it around the world. I say, okay, uh, what about Uttar Pradesh? Have you heard of the province in India where 240 million people were getting yep. And they got rid of their pandemic, their epidemic, in six weeks. Zero cases. Six weeks. And they say, well, that's not how we do science. You have to have a placebo and you have to have – and I said, well, it's really interesting. That's 240 million people and just another – Another province in India decided not to do that, and their case numbers actually went up. So could you argue that they, in fact, were the placebo? I mean, people have this idea that the only way that you can understand medicine is to have a randomized control trial. Well, those things take time, five years, ten years. Uh, I don't know how we've gotten the, the number of randomized control trials out that we do now, but the evidence is profound on early treatment, early outpatient treatment. Now it's not it's not a silver bullet. It doesn't no. get rid of it completely. But if you get 60 to 80% of people that don't get go to the hospital or die, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good reduction. And why aren't we doing it? Dr. And why is the FDA putting out tweets saying you're not a horse, you're not a cow? Come don't, on, y'all. Don't take it. Knowing full well, knowing full well that ivermectin is used to treat humans well, now the implication was that it's only for animals in that tweet why would they do that there's well, an agenda and i don't know what the agenda is like you said early it could it be could it be something as uh as um i don't want to say benign but just a money grab versus something more severe i don't really like to get into that because yeah. as a doctor i feel like i have to stay i have to stay as objective as i can yeah. because the data is what drives my decisions yeah. and the data is what's driven my decision on, on the vaccine mandates. And honestly, you know, my problem wasn't even with the mandate because I got a religious exemption and it was approved. And, init and initially I thought, I don't like this because I'm, I'm having to defend my religious beliefs for this. Um, I'm asking some corporate person to, evaluate my religious beliefs and the Bible actually talks about the non-believer can't even understand your beliefs because they don't, they don't think the same way you do. Yeah. So what really, what got me with my employer was when I, a month and a half after my religious exemption was approved, they said, now you have to get tested twice a week. And this was literally probably, I don't know, three weeks after that Israeli study came out that showed that the vaccinated were carrying and spreading COVID and they, they, the COVID recovered were less likely to even get COVID than the vaccinated. And I I sent a bunch of studies to the administration and I, and I said, 
You're only counting two categories, vaccinated and unvaccinated. There's a third category, COVID recovered. Really, it should be immune and non-immune, but let's just go with your nomenclature. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, COVID recovered is really what it ought to be. And there's now over 100 studies that show that it's robust, durable, and complete. Why are we not utilizing it? That to maintain our workforce, we're in a pandemic for Pete's sake. Let's keep our doctors and nurses at work. You know, those people are not going to get patients sick. And they said, you have two choices, get tested or get fired. So I said, I won't be discriminated against for my religious beliefs. And you know why? Because I took an oath to the Constitution. And that Constitution protects me and my religious beliefs. This country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. And words like oath and honor and integrity used to mean something. And I and by no means the example of being a Christian. But I can tell you that I will not raise my boys in a way that they're not going to stand up for what they believe in. And so that's ultimately why I lost my job over the vaccine testing, not the mandate itself. And it's I, I kind of feel a little embarrassed because I know that the mandates are not, they're not appropriate. You know, if you can carry and spread COVID when you're vaccinated, well, how's that helping anything by mandating? All you're doing is forcing people out of their job, out of their way to make a living for their family. It's pretty, it's pretty disgusting. Well, if you, it seems confusing and contradictory when we look at it through the lens of our own projections, right? You know, I, think I'm I think I'm a, a relatively decent human being you probably are everyone I've ever met in my life probably is whether or not we agree politically or religiously or whatever we're all right I don't not to my knowledge do I know any psychopaths we're projecting ourselves onto these government institutions and going this doesn't make sense don't they know that you can be immune because you know you've recovered from it once you switch the lens from uh once you switch the lens from why would you do that from how would I do it to, well, is this a captured institution? Well, all of a sudden it starts to make a lot more sense, right? I think Pierre Corey said it, Dr. Pierre Corey said it on Joe Rogan. He goes, uh, you know, when the FDA comes out, you know, you're not a horse, you're not a, why are you taking this crap? You know, not, you know, snap out of it. What are you doing? He goes, it, it, it's akin to um, being asleep on a flight. And you know the plane kind of rocks, and you wake up. You know what the fuck was that? And then the pilot comes on over the intercom and goes, you know, uh, you know everything's fine. Like please remain, please remain seated and seatbelts on. All right, but the plane's still kind of shaking. Well, how sure are we that that's the pilot speaking, and that someone hasn't hijacked it or captured it? So when the FDA comes out and says it's fine. When the, you know, when Fauci comes out and says it's safe and effective, when the corporations come out and says nobody dies from it, when, you know, big tech censors any VAERS data, well, when we project ourselves onto those positions of authority and institution, sure, it doesn't make sense. Why, why would they do that? Well, what if they're not like us? What if they don't have our interests in mind? What if they don't agree to disagree? What if they're going for best case scenario, a money grab? And like you said, you know, I, 
as much as I love to throw on the tinfoil hat and be like, yeah, it's lizard people, like, sure, that's fun, right? You know, hit a bong and talk about the conspiracies. That's all fun and games. But like you said, you, we also kind of have to stay in our lanes. That's why I interview doctors. That's why I just had on Dr. Malone. That's why I have on individuals. So it doesn't devolve into me screaming like Alex Jones, right? It, it's the aliens and the lizards and the 5G. And I swear, you know, like, you don't, you don't want that. You want to sort of maintain any credibility you may or may not have. So what happens when they're captured? Right. You know, under duress. Right. When, uh, you know, the CIA is contacting an agent behind enemy lines, behind the Iron Curtain. And, you know, is everything good? And they get a response like everything is good. And then the case officer at home goes, something's not right. It's because the case officer saying everything is good has a gun to his head somewhere in, you know, you know, in, in, in Russia. So you have to wonder, are they captured and how would they act? If they were captured now, best case, and like you said, it's not benign, but in in a way, all things considered, it is. Is it a money grab? It's just that's kind of, you know, it's like no good deed goes unpunished. Early bird gets the worm. It's almost like guaranteed like, hey, humans, you know, they kind of go, they they do some fuckery and try to get some cash. Right. We know that. We know that entirely. You know, Bill Gates, you know, or monopolies in the 90s, like. Well, of course we know that. Of course, Exxon, yeah, we, we get it. I yeah, get up the military industrial complex. Of course, they think you need a bigger plane. We just kind of accept that, though, right? There's a certain amount that we just go, yeah, of course, we're all humans. We're all pieces of shit. We're all trying to get a little more money. We all kind of accept that as just like a thing, right? You know, like I said, you know, why does Apple change the charger on their phone? Because they're trying to get more money. What do you think they're trying to do? Like, stop with this, you know, this romantic shit. The problem with this, I think, is... You know, especially for me, six, nine months ago, I just was going along to get along. And then when I really started digging into it, it didn't make sense. You know, initially when people started, you know, throwing a fit about the masks, and I'm talking back in early 2020, uh, taking away my freedom. I'm like, just put the mask on. Isn't it just easier to... Just put the mask on. Like, you really want to have a fight with every person you walk around with? Hey, I'm with so, you. I'm with you. I, I used to be like, so, just so put then, it on. Just put it on. So then you start to say to yourself, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world now, like, jumping up and down. You see what's going on in Australia. I mean, that's some tyrannical, scary stuff. And you start to say to yourself, I do now, that 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 monetary grab is plausible but when the science doesn't match up with what the um mainstream medical establishment folks are saying and you see the most recent cdc study that comes out and you can clearly see that they have manipulated the statistics to favor the vaccines by only measuring those vaccines between months three to six when the vaccines are most efficacious. And we know that after month six, that waning efficacy drops to below below 40%. You just have to say, with certain vaccines, by the way, that you have to say to yourself, why is that happening? And people are smart, man. I'm telling you, I, having grown up in, in in a very blue collar, um, like I said, my dad farmed on, maybe I didn't say, my dad farmed on the halves with my grandfather. 
plumber, welder, uh, carpenter, the things that they could do mechanically, uh, a physicist couldn't wrap their head around. Uh, I went to med school with a guy who had a master's in biochemistry and a master's in biostatistics, and he worked on, on like a plumber and pipe fitter thing for for a summer, and he said, these guys were doing complex uh, calculus uh, calculations on the fly, and they didn't even know it. I'm just like, yeah, dude, that's called like blue-collar workers. But yeah. he didn't know. He'd never been around. So I say all that to say this. These people are smart, man. They know that something's not right. They may not know the statistics. They may not be able to understand what the p-value means and the confidence interval, but they know that, hey, they're telling me this vaccine is safe and efficacious, but I've got three of my friends who are dead in my in my circle, and I, I don't know what to make of that, but that sounds like lightning hitting real close to home, and I'm not a big fan of that. So people recognize that there's some anomalies that are happening that are not congruent with the narrative that's being pushed, and you have to say to yourself, how long is this narrative going to work? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, but it's terrifying where you think it could go when you see, you know, California. I'm, I'm in the guard with with one of the our nurses, and they they have to show their vaccine passport anywhere they go. You want to go to a gym? You want to go to the movies? You want to go to the restaurant? You got to show your vaccine card you anywhere you go. You go fuck your mother with that shit. That's in this country right now. So, you know, maybe that's where it ends, but it oh, doesn't yeah. seem like that, oh, yeah. that they want it to end. Oh, yeah, that's where it will end. Five to 11-year-old kids. Mm. Now, I just heard, I just read an article, they're studying two-year-olds with the vaccine. You say to yourself, huh, doesn't seem like it's ending anytime soon. Bullshit. Two-year-olds? Two to five-year-olds. I mean... No, I mean it's. A, I don't. I don't even know what to say. It's it's flabbergasting, especially when you look at the risk of COVID infection in in anyone essentially under thirty with no comorbidities. It's not indicated. It's just not, you know. And and we think about you can do early treatment for those who need it. You can give the vaccine. I think the vaccine works in certain populations. I wouldn't say don't give it to anyone. Sure. I think you do those things, you have a more targeted approach. You could actually be much more effective in, in allowing natural immunity to grow, vaccine immunity to grow. You're not isolating for the specific variants that are able to escape the vaccines because they're targeted to one particular spike protein it's really it's just astonishing it's like immunology 101 is gone natural immunity what's that I mean, you know you, you hear these people talking about the vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity what is vaccine immunity what is a vaccine supposed to do you inject a substance into someone's arm to induce the body's immune system to produce immunity. You're trying to mimic natural immunity. As a matter of fact, on the CDC's website, 
and I can't find it now, but when the vaccines first came out, everybody asked, well, why do I have to get two shots? And they said, in order to reach antibody levels similar to natural immunity, you have to give two shots. Well, why are you using natural immunity as a measure if it doesn't work? Right? I mean, it's just nonsensical. Like, logic has... <laughs> Logic has to be used in, in science and medicine or we're, we're lost. Have you seen it's really weird. Have you seen Chernobyl on HBO? I have. Yeah, that was really fucking good. I never watch TV. I don't really consume any culture. I live under a cultural rock. I just it's not some like edgy stance. I've ever since forever. I just I've never seen any Star Trek movies or Star Wars. movies. I just I, I've never seen game of thrones i just don't give a shit but um i did watch hbo i did watch uh, chernobyl that miniseries just because it looked so fascinating and it was but you know this makes me think of that a lot right where you can you can all lie to each other and with things that aren't science you could you know like a cult like a ufo is coming on this day if you could all hype yourselves up and it doesn't matter what evidence uh, to the contrary, uh, makes itself apparent. You can hype yourself up, and when the day comes and passes, you can go, oh, we got the date wrong. But, you know, in a closed groupthink circle, I mean, you can convince yourself of anything, right? I mean, every every city thinks their team's going to the Super Bowl this year, and every year, right? So that's one thing. But I look at Chernobyl, and there's this interesting bifurcation and kind of uh, uh, friction where you see what happens in this system where everyone is incentivized to lie and to put up with your superior so that you can get a raise so that you can get a, you know, I don't know, a shorter ticket in the bread line. Um, but it's 3.6 Röntgen or, you know, it's a, you didn't see graphite RBMK reactors can't explode. What is it? It's 3.6 and they call their superiors. It's 3.6 and they all get in a room together You go, what was that blue light? Was that, was it Cherkov radiation? No, that was just the spotlights. Oh, 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 they all confirm and they confirm. And it works with things like convincing yourself that insert basketball player is the best player of all time. Every, everyone, th everyone has their guy, right? You know, this was the best. This is the best song of all time. Well, if we both like Led Zeppelin and we both love Stairway to Heaven, like, sure, we can sit each sit here and, you know, jerk each other off and convince ourselves that it's the best song. But if you get to... Eminem fans together who both love Lose Yourself, they're going to convince themselves. Right? And in your own little subjective reality tunnel, that becomes fact. Now with Chernobyl, they all were, you know, this is it, this is it, patting each other on the back. Well, then the military comes along and they, right, and they put the dosimeter on the on the front of the truck and the shield and he comes back and he goes, 15,000 Röntgen. And everyone's kind of, uh, well, no, it's 15,000 Röntgen. You know, they're reading, po they're, they're getting readings in Poland. What the fuck is going on here? And the groupthink bubble comes into a very violent friction with reality because what they're trying to do is not convince themselves of a favorite song or what's the best color or which girl's the hottest. It was radiation levels in the soil and in the air in the four-dimensional reality we exist in where there's just defined, we can all talk each other and convince each other that gravity doesn't exist, but guess what? We start jumping off that bridge. We're going one direction and one direction only. That's down. So what we're seeing right now is, I think, sort of like Chernobyl. 
It's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. It's safe. Did you hear it was safe and effective? I heard it was effective and safe. Yeah, safe and effective. It's safe. And we're all, and then when someone does die, we go, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't from the vaccine. And when someone does speak up, much like the guy saying, I saw graphite rods outside, what do you do? You ban them. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, gone. Get rid of them. What do they do? You didn't see it. You RBMK reactors can't explode. And that's what you do. Eventually, reality be, reality comes bursting through the door like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. And that's what I think is coming. And it's you don't need a, you know, sure, I can do interviews and try to bring light to it. Joe Rogan can talk about ivermectin. Aaron Rodgers can, right? I mean, Ky- Kyrie Irving can or Nicki Minaj can or whoever. But you don't even need them, right? Sure, the military official in Chernobyl came along and said it's 15,000 Rentgen. But the reality is you didn't need him. Eventually, when people start dropping dead from radiation sickness and every other nation of the world start going, uh, we see a radiation cloud. Reality, that's the, that's the thing about, you know, uh, that's the thing about physical reality is it, is it just is. You don't, have to, you don't have to believe in H2O. You don't have to believe that it acts as a fluid. It's just, here it is. It's sorry. It's just what it is. Hey, guess what? I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what your name is. 9.81 meters per second. Watch it go. There it is. Reality will break through. And the truth, it will come out. It just it just will. Now, I think we need to do our best to facilitate it because people's lives are at risk, much like Chernobyl. But it will, me or no me, Joe Rogan or not, Dr. Malone or not, Dr. Bowers or not, the truth is going to come flying through like a locomotive on fire. Because it just is. It's, it just is. Well, right. And then, and, and then what, what I find really interesting about this, and like I said, I'm a little embarrassed that it took me as long as I did to come to the realization that I have on the situation. What side of history are you going to be on? You know, I'm going to be on the side where I read some stuff and it didn't make sense. And even though it's just little old me, I'm some country bumpkin surgeon who says, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to speak out against it. And in, in the way I look at it is if things don't, if things keep going the way they're going, we're headed to two places. We're either going to have uh, a realization that coronavirus is with us forever and we're going to have to live with it and we can go on about our lives and we're not going to do lockdowns. We're not going to fire people. We're not going to cancel people. We're going to go back to living our lives with every other communicable disease that we've ever had in human history. Or we're going to have a two-tiered society, like they're doing in New Zealand. The prime minister has said she has created a two-tier society, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And the unvaccinated will not have the freedoms that those that are vaccinated do. And guess what? I don't want to live in that society. Because in that society, the vaccinated people are going to have to do things that they don't want to do to other human beings because they want to keep their cushy, comfortable positions. Because eventually, the way that this is going, three shots isn't going to be enough. Five shots isn't going to be enough. It's every six months is going to be enough. And who knows Who knows what that looks like long-term? Nobody does. We don't even know what two shots look like long-term. Um, probably going to be okay for most people. But I can tell you, that this idea that the individual doesn't matter is not what this country was founded on. And, and it's 
not what the West was founded on. The West was founded on the better an individual does, the better the collective does, as opposed to Marxism, communism, socialism, where the collective is there to be supported by the individual. And the better the collective does, the better the individuals do alone. Which then basically means that individuals by themselves don't matter. Which is sort of where we're at, right? Like, I'm a board-certified, clean-record general surgeon who just wants to take care of patients, and I can't. Because guess what? I don't matter to the collective. Guess who's not going to get taken care of? Do you think the senators and the governors and the hospital executives are not going to get surgery if they need to? No, all those people are going to be taken care of. They're going to be fine. The people who are not going to be taken care of is the everyday person who's get who needs, uh, you know, they're working at a factory at two o'clock in the morning and they, you know, slice their hand, chop their finger off. Yeah. Or, yeah does something. That's who I, those are the people I take care of. Guess what? I'm out of the game now. Now, why am I out of the game? People say, well, you're being selfish. No, I'm trying to stand up for those people because eventually they're going to be out of the game too. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying if you think about it. First they came for the socialists and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a trade uh, trade unionist. Blah, 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 blah. And then when they came for me, there was no one left to stand up. That's what happens. That's what fucking happens. You know, now in 2021, just like we have all these, you know, these woke uh, pronouns and terms and whatever, you know, we also do have different vocabularies. And what well, a lot of us now, it's the more woke term. We call it vaccinated, unvaccinated. But um, just a short couple decades ago, they called it uh, clean and Uden. And that's what they called it. You didn't have to carry a vax passport. They just showed a nice little uh, gold star David to your chest. And then, hey, we're just sending you to ghettos. Two weeks to flatten the curve of, uh, of, uh, of dirty Jews, right? And then, hey, some of you guys are going to work camps. We just have to segregate you from society. Well, maybe if we comply, it'll, it'll be finished. Two more weeks of this. Well, maybe, you know, maybe they're, I- they're sending us to camps. Best case scenario, this is, it's a money grab. They just, IG Farben just wants some free labor. And in the back of your mind, just like those plumbers you're talking about, or the guys I used to work at uh, at a door warehouse in 2008, sure, uneducated guys, but intelligent in their own right, just like we all are. Maybe they're not a biophysicist, but you realize everyone has their own inherent intelligence. And you're on the train, and you're going to Auschwitz or Brigham Belson, and you're going, best case scenario, guys, they just, you know, they just want us to work on some Messerschmitts or some IBM punch cards. And then somewhere deep in the back of your mind, in the back of everyone's mind, but everyone's keeping it to themselves because we fear that if we vocalize that it will somehow become more real, we start to wonder, maybe there's something really bad going on here. And by the time you fucking realize it, there's Zyklon B pellets aerosolizing in front of you and you're screaming to death. And no one learns. There is no selection. There is no uh, Darwinian selection of, uh, of uh, vaccine resistance or whatever because the resistance ends the immediate moment you realize it's happening. We're dead, done. They pull the bodies out and they burn them. That's what's going on. And guess what? Maybe that's not going on. 
Thank God I hope it's not going on. But regardless, they're lying to your face. And I know this is getting way out there. And hey, for everyone listening, I, I talk for myself and not for Dr. Bowers. I'm representing myself. But this is what happens. Just two weeks ago, I had on Richard Rhodes, author of Making the Atomic Bomb, world-renowned author. He also wrote a book called Masters of Death about the SS Einsatzgruppen. And he depicts the entire slow development of the concentration camp system. And what all the guards said was, you know, in their German accents, you know, it really is quite, and this is in testimonies in the Nuremberg trial. You can go and watch these videos. You can read the transcripts yourselves. They'd all say it really was quite fascinating that the Jew did not know up until the very moment that the gun was at the back of their head. They called it Genitschusen. And it's where you put the barrel right up against the neck. And they called it sardine and packing, which ironically enough, sounds like packed in like sardines because that's how they put the bodies in the graves. The Jew wouldn't know up until the very last moment that they were indeed being executed. All the time that they were traveling, they were told to get their clothes. They were told to bring warm clothes. You're going to a labor camp. They thought they were up until the last moment. You may be wondering, Tommy, you're kind of being hyperbolic. You're, you're clutching your pearls and saying this is just a vaccine. Hey, I'd rather be hyperbolic at the risk of in the future uh, having to be embarrassed and going, man, remember when I thought uh, Pfizer was trying to do a genocide? Hey, I'd rather be red in the face and go, hey, guilty. I got a little amped up. I'd rather be embarrassed and have to go, yeah, I was an idiot. I apologize. Then one day look back and go, why didn't I raise my voice more? And now, honestly, despite that entire rant I just went on, I don't actually believe that's what's happening. I really, I really don't. I just, I think if you want to kill everyone, you'd release Ebola at Hartsfield Jackson airport and set off a couple of nukes. That's what you do. This is not what I think it is. But the point is, is whenever you see these things starting, right? Every time a missile takes off on the world, NORAD knows it because we have satellite systems that look for the plumes of explosions. We don't know if that rocket is bringing up a weather satellite or sending Elon Musk's roadster into orbit or carrying a hydrogen bomb. But the point is, is they look at every plume because they want to know just in case. So when I see coordinated suppression, when I see the creation of a two-tiered system of people, when I see the segregation based on dirtiness, don't forget the Germans called it cultural hygiene, we're just calling it genetic hygiene or uh, uh, pandemic hygiene. When I see all the same things, you know what? It might just be a rocket plume shooting up a Disney Plus satellite. It might be a hydrogen bomb going at Manhattan. So fucking pardon me if I'm going to keep an eye out for it and wonder which way it's going. Now I'm getting my own blood pressure ramped up, but I get a little excited if you can't well, tell. <laughs> so here's, here's the, here's the thing that, you know, we talk about a two tiered society, a two tiered group of people. One of the things that happened during the atrocities of before world war two and during world war two was that, and it wasn't just Jews in Germany. It was in Cindy, Italy Roma, and in Russia. Homosexuals, gypsies. They they dehumanized people. And I think, and one of the most concerning things that happened to me, and it was one of the last conversations I had before I left the hospital, was I had a uh, a colleague say to me that they have no compassion for those people who are unvaccinated no compassion. And I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way. If I ever get to that point, I don't want to be in medicine because I don't take care of widgets. I take care of human beings. And that person looked at me in the eye and said, they're all widgets to me. 
and I thought to myself, what a dehumanizing thing to say. You could, you could then have no compassion for the widget because guess what? It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't humans. think or feel or care. That, that, is, that is the culture that's been created by this mainstream narrative of the unvaccinated are unclean and they're causing the pandemic and they're extending the pandemic. We've gotten away from the individual and their true worth. And we have to get back to it. We have to. So I appreciate, you know, you taking the time to, to, to interview me and allow me to kind of speak my piece. Um, again, I, I speak for my, myself and not any of the organizations that I currently rep or, or were a part of or am a part of. I just want to be a good human being and a good physician and speak what I believe to be truth. And in uh, Unit 731, that Japanese biological experimentation unit in World War II, what did they call the Manchurians that they operated on or that they experimented on? They called them Maruto, which means log, like a log of wood. And it's so you remove their humanity. What did Mengele's journal say? You know, the Jews really are curious. They have, they have teeth just like us. They have two hands just like us. But see, they're not human. And, you know... I know what I'm doing. You know what I'd, I'd say to people that think everyone who's unvaccinated is, isn't, they have no compassion for. I love, I love them as much as I love anyone else. I'm not going to become them. I'm not going to be pulled down by them. What do I think of vaccinated people? I think they're adults who made their own choice. What do I think of unvaccinated people? I think they're adults who made their own choice. What do I think of black people and white people and Hispanic people and Asian people? I think they're all people who probably have a crush, who probably have funny memories from college, who probably have drank too much and thrown up outside of a bar, have probably, you know, made a shot at a girl who was way out of their league and they got turned down, probably got a little too drunk one night and have fought a good friend, probably one day hope their team wins the Super Bowl or whatever. And that's it. They're not more or less than any of the rest of us. And the second we fall into that belief system that they are is the second that genocide becomes plausible and with that man let's wrap this one up i'd love to have you on again sometime dude that was fun as fuck and uh i appreciate you coming on sure. here you're, you're breaking up dr bowers i don't know if you can hear or see me you're you're, you're freezing up you too you got me. You're breaking up too. All right. Well, hey, we'll wrap this one up. I'll text you. Thank you for coming on me here. I'll, I'll text you right now. All right. Peace. Recording stopped.